This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. <laughs> he wants nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy out along with Brady Cannon talking US Open. It's gonna be at the Los Angeles Country Club. Brady, who is with us at the PGA and the Masters, no pressure, Brady. Gave us Brooks <laughs> Kepka, and uh, he took care of business at about 22-1 to 1, uh, in the PGA. So now we go to the third major of the 2023 summer. Brady, how you doing, first of all? I'm doing great, Jimmy. Uh, we were just talking before we uh, came on the program here about what a tournament the Canadian Open was to lead us into the U.S. Open. Boy, what a finish that was north of the border, Nick Taylor. Uh, dropping the 72-foot eagle putt, the celebration, and yeah, that was quite a kickstarter for uh, the third major of the year coming up in Los Angeles this week. I'm really excited for this major, Jimmy. I, you know, typically the U.S. Open is probably my least favorite of the four. The Masters has their tradition and the drama on Sunday, and the PGA Championship, I think, has been a real hero the last 10 or 15 years. And then, of course, the British Open, you know, it's the classic and the links and the weather, And the U.S. Open has just always been kind of stale for me, vanilla, you know, hit fairways, hit greens, and and the attrition and the train wreck and and trying to, you know, watch these guys just get to even par. I think it's going to be much different this year. I think this golf course is going to be a star of the show. Uh, I think you are going to get some scoring. You are going to get some carnage. It's going to be all over the map and a golf course that basically nobody in the world has ever seen before. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I've uh, I've been to that area. It's a it's a, a high rent uh, a, a part of uh, L.A. for sure. The Playboy Mansion, uh, Century City. I mean, uh, the Bel Air area, the whole bit. And you know, what is uh, no history of a major at this course? Uh, how does that uh, element play into factor here? Well, you know, it, it makes you work a little harder in your handicap. And I think as far as finding comp courses, it, it becomes a little more difficult. But you know, in researching this golf course, I really don't think there's anything that is too similar to it. Now, it did hold a PGA Tour event way back when. It was the LA Open, I believe, in 1940, but it's never held a major championship before. In 2010, Gil Hance and Jeff Shackelford came in and did a renovation, trying to bring it back to what George Thomas originally had intended in the late 1920s. They removed a lot of trees, and I think they have this course absolutely primed for major championship stages. 
Uh, and like I say, I, I'm really excited. It's kind of, I mean, you're going to get hillsides and elevation change. You've got a barranca or, or a wash, a dry riverbed, whatever you want to call it. You're going to hear the word barranca for a lot of, uh, all week long leading up to this cor- leading up to this tournament. But what it is, it's, it meanders and weaves its way throughout the entire property. It's got sand, tree branches, wispy grass. You know, it's just kind of a waste area that runs through the property, and, and that's going to become a factor. There are no water holes on the course. So it, it's just a really interesting property. Smaller greens, you know, rugged bunkering. Some of the greens have rough surrounding the edges. Some have runoff areas. Um, there, there's a lot that goes into this. It's almost like a hodgepodge of a lot of different other courses we've seen. I think there's some Shinnecock in it with kind of the Lynx-ish feel. I, I think there's some Marion in it with the bunkering and the Parkland style. I think there's some Chambers Bay where they had the U.S. Open in 2015 and its quirkiness and its undulations. And speaking of undulation and elevation change, I think there's some Augusta National here and also some Kapalua. You know, there is a couple fairways on this course. I think I want to say half a dozen fairways, Jimmy, that are in the neighborhood of 75 to 80 yards wide. We only find that at Kapalua where they kick off the season in January and a lot of elevation change out there as well. You know, that is very atypical for a U.S. Open fairways that wide, but they're canted in a particular direction. The window that you're looking to hit is maybe only 20 yards wide, and if you miss that window, you're going to end up in trouble, possibly in that barranca. So there's, you know, I think creativity is going to be heightened here, more so than maybe a typical U.S. Open that we're used to. And I think there's going to be a lot of volatility where guys are going to be able to make birdie and possibly eagle, and you're also going to see some double and triple bogeys. It ought to be fun, I I think, for all the reasons I've listed. So an opportunity for or the chances for some really wild movement, you know, back and forth, you know, throughout the uh, on the leaderboard. The uh, the let's go to your picks, uh, Brady, and you start off with uh, Scotty Scheffler plus seven fifty. It's overnight at Bet Rivers has moved to plus six fifty. Now sixteen for sixteen top twelve finishes. But what has happened to the putter? Just oh. in the Memorial alone, he if he's an average putter, which he was the worst putting statistics of the weekend, he wins by seven if he just is an average putter, that one. So he comes in a model of consistency, but that putter is become mental as of late. Yeah, and that's really the only reservation with Scotty Scheffler. I mean, if he had a hot putter right now, who knows? Maybe the odds would be four to one. Um, but you're right. That is certainly the one thing that has eluded Scotty Scheffler in, in two out of the last three weeks. Now, it was at uh, Colonial that he actually putted pretty well and gained uh, about a stroke and a half on the field. Uh, the following week, I, I believe, uh, was the PGA Championship. If, I've cor- if I'm correct, I might be mixing up my order here. But I believe he lost about four strokes to the field at the PGA. Just missed there, as you know. And then, as you mentioned, at the Memorial, lost, I believe, over eight strokes to the field there. And, and just missed out there on the playoff as well. So the, his tee to green game, Jimmy, has been historically good, like Tiger Woods-esque. He's been that good tee to green with the ball striking and and he's kind of you know head and shoulders above the field in that regard but he is coming back to the pack with that flat stick 
And you know about putting, Jimmy. It can kind of go or it can come and go at a moment's notice. And it's been a couple weeks in a row that it's been go for Scotty Scheffler, gone for Scotty Scheffler. Um, and, you know, I think those things are likely to, you know, bounce back more so than, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if your driver is off or if you're off with your irons or if you're off with your short game. A putter can change, you know, in a moment's notice. So, and I think that's possible for Scotty Scheffler and like you say if he just puts average here at the uh, U.S. Open I think it could win the thing by multiple shots and so that's why I went to the top of the board with Scheffler typically I don't play guys that are single digit and in this case even lower than that Um, but I think there's probably a decision you're going to have to make at some point with your handicap this week and that probably is going to fall between Brooks Kepka, Victor Hovland, and Scotty Scheffler. Which one of those three do you want? You probably have to have one of them on your card, and because of their numbers, you probably can't have more than one. So I chose Scheffler. I, I think Kepka, you know, he's kind of been on the post PGA Championship party train here after securing that major, and, and I don't blame him in the least. Uh, he's been playing absolutely fantastic golf, but is he going to win two majors in a row? I, I tend to doubt that that will happen. Victor Hovland obviously been playing tremendous golf. I, I think we lost some of the steam in his number. Now, if you've got Victor from way back when at 30 to 1 or 28 or something like that, then then fantastic. But now in, in the neighborhood of 18 to 1, I, I don't really want to go there. And I just think Scotty, you know, has every absolutely everything going for him and if he can like I say just putt average he should win this thing so you know in in all the other areas of my handicap that I go through that that's a simple explanation for you why I landed on him all right Uh, when you talk about creativity and uh, as far as Kepka, I don't know what would make you say that he's been on the uh, celebration party train, but, you know, <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Spieth, uh, was 26 to one. This one has gotten a little bit better overnight at bed rivers right now. He's plus 2,800, 28 to one, five of 10 top fives lately. He won the 2015 U S open. And when you mention creativity on this course, well, whether it's self-induced or not, uh, Jordan Spieth is quite a creative player. Absolutely. And, you know, 28 to 1, I think that is certainly a green light. Who knows if you can find 30? I think that's a wonderful number on a guy that I think is a little bit under the radar this week. And it's hard to say Jordan Spieth would ever be under the radar. But you mentioned Chambers Bay 2015 when he won the U.S. Open. I think the course has some similarities with, you know, some quirky lies and some canting of the fairways and the uh, undulation and elevation change that you're going to find. Also, you know, big wide fairways and undulation and elevation change and fast greens. Where do we, you know, in the short game, where do we find that? Augusta National. Is there anybody else better in the world at Augusta National than Jordan Spieth? We have seen this guy extricate himself from miracle positions, you know, with, you know, able to save par throughout his career. And it seems like we've seen it even more so uh, this particular season. I do believe you're going to have to pull off some minor miracles here around these greens. And he's maybe one of the best in the world at doing that. Uh, now, the driver can can be a little, you know, off target for Jordan Spieth. And that would be, you know, we talk about Scheffler with the putter. It's probably Jordan Spieth with the driver that can get a little loose. Um, but I mentioned these fairways are wide. Now, you have to hit narrow windows, but 
because of the width of the fairways, you know, it, it, you're probably, you may not find as much trouble as you, as you would normally at, at say an Oak Hill or a typical U.S. Open where it's narrow fairways and eight inch rough. The, the rough around the fairways, I don't think is going to be too bad. Jimmy, certainly in certain spots, you know, it, it's kind of uh, back and forth as far as the rough. You're going to find some that's really nasty around the greens and really thick. And, and then you're going to find some areas where there's not much of it at all. So, you know, I, I, I think driver control is going to be very key this week. And it'll be key certainly for Jordan Spieth. And again, that can be a weak part of his game. But um, if he can dial it in just a little bit, I think that's probably the area that he, if he can focus on and, and get that straightened out, uh, the rest of everything else uh, is a part of his arsenal should work itself out. And he, sh- you know, like you said, what was it? Three top fives in the last five or six weeks, something like that. He'd probably find them, find himself right there again. If he can get that driver uh, on point this week. All right. Next one on the list, uh, going down 30 to one right now at bet rivers, Cameron Smith. And well, we know he, he won the British last year and he's got what it takes. He started that season uh, outstanding, holding off John Rahm in Hawaii. I mean, an unreal charge uh, in that one. He's got the mental makeup, but came, went to live, kind of got off the radar, dealing with some injuries and now trying to fight his way back. Form is showing that he is getting better and more prepared uh, for this major here in L.A. Yeah, you're right. He's got a number of top 10 finishes recently on the Live Tour. We talked about Jordan Spieth and Chambers Bay. Well, Cameron Smith finished fourth that year at that U.S. Open. Of course, he's won at St. Andrews. He's got an incredible track record at Augusta National. And you mentioned the win at Kapalua. Again, the wide fairways and the elevation change. And and again, I, I mentioned this at the start. I don't think there's a real good match as far as correlated courses for Los Angeles Country Club. But a lot of these courses that we're talking about have a lot of similarities. And Cam Smith has done well at those properties. Uh, we know he's maybe the best putter in the entire field, especially on bent grass, and that's the type of green playing surface we have this week. Bent grass greens, the same they have at Augusta, where Cam Smith has been a wizard uh, with the flat stick and, and the creativity. We know that's certainly a big part of his arsenal. So, you know, and I actually was able to get him at 32 to 1. I still don't think 30 is that bad of a number. I would say 30 or higher is pretty good on Cameron Smith. And Jimmy, I think we've learned in the first two majors of the year that these live guys are kind of still flying under the radar a little bit. Now, Kepka not not so much with his odds down to, uh, you know, 10 or 12 to 1 or so. Uh, but everybody else, I, I think the casual better is not really paying attention to the guys from the live tour. And I kind of learned my lesson here. Uh, uh, these guys, you know, they, they haven't stopped being some of the best players in the world. So I, I landed on Cam Smith, who I think uh, can possibly make some sense this week on a golf course that may, you know, ask for more creativity and, and especially touch around the greens. Man, he was a he was an autoplay uh, for me uh, last year. I mean, it was just just give him to me, man. I mean, he was uh, unbelievable, but you know, kind of, kind of went off uh, the radar a little bit uh, with the live tour. Justin Rose, how about Justin Rose? Five straight top twenty fives. PG, uh, I'm sorry, U.S. Open 2013 champion ten years ago at Bet Rivers. Right now, Justin Rose is forty five to one. With these top twenties, uh, Bray, how much would you break up your bet uh, for top tens or top twenties with Justin Rose? Also. 
Yeah, I, I think top 20s are real good bet on Justin Rose. Now, I got him, this is probably bordering on a month ago when I started doing my research for this U.S. Open championship. I got Justin Rose at 75, and I, I still think if you can find maybe 50 or better out there, it's not a bad bet. Um, but at this point, you know, and, and you mentioned 45 at Bet Rivers, I've seen even lower than that in other places. Uh, and, you know, the, the value starting to be sucked out there. He's been playing tremendous golf, just comes off an eighth place finish uh, at the Canadian Open, where he finished fourth last year, by the way, at St. George's uh, Golf and Country Club, which was also a Gil Hance renovated golf course. So there, there's another little tie in for Justin Rose. Uh, you mentioned he won the 2013 U.S. Open at Marion. We talked about that being, you know, a course that has some some uh, some similarities, I believe, to LACC. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons I believe that Justin Rose makes a lot of sense here. His strokes gained approach on the PGA Tour is fantastic. Uh, total driving, very accurate off the tees. Uh, Jimmy, you and I have been around for a while. We're old men. We've been watching U.S. Opens for a long time. Justin Rose really seems like a U.S. Open player uh, when, when you just kind of break down his career. I think he's absolute. He's also had tremendous success at Augusta. You know, he's never won it, but he's been absolutely right there a number of times with a couple of runner-up finishes. So uh, I think Justin Rose makes a lot of sense. Now, you know, what we've been seeing typically the last 10, 15 years is the younger kids, you know, the 20-somethings and the 30-somethings are winning major championships. Justin Rose in his mid-40s, but I, I still think he has what it takes, and he's been proving that as of late this particular season with a win earlier back in February at Pebble Beach. Uh, at, at next up on the list, uh, Ricky Fowler right now. Pet Rivers is sixty-six to one, but you know this is this is something here. Ten of twelve top twenties, um, never serious concern, you know contention. But you know maybe U.S. Opens fit his game. He does have two top fives uh, in his history uh, in the U.S. Open as well. Again, Ricky Fowler at Pet Rivers right now, Brady sixty-six to one. Yeah, and, and I still think that's a pretty darn good number. I, I've seen lower than that. I've seen a little higher than that. Um, but 66, I think, is a pretty darn fair price. And, you know, Ricky Fowler's playing some of the best golf we've seen him play maybe since 2014 when he finished top five in all four majors. Uh, Ricky Fowler comes off of a sixth-place finish at Colonial and a ninth-place finish at the Memorial and Jimmy, those are two courses, two tournaments that I really like to use in my handicap. Uh, Colonial hosted a U.S. Open in 1941, and the golf course has never really changed. It's always been kind of that that ball striking, work your ball in both directions, small greens. It's always been very U.S. Open-like, and I think can be a good indicator of U.S. Open success. And the same with uh, the Memorial at, at Mirfield Village, uh, you know, very much has has churned out some U.S. Open winners, including Justin Rose, who we just mentioned, including John Rahm. Uh, so uh, I, I think you look at both of those tests and what Ricky Fowler did with top 10 finishes at each of them. And, and that's kind of certainly a starting point for you to start to dive in deeper on why it makes sense for this guy. He's great in total driving. He's great in ball striking. Um, he, he's just have a, having a tremendous season. 
And, uh, you know, again, is he going to win the thing? Certainly it's possible. Uh, but I think another great guy for a top 20 bet. And, and I don't mind the price at 66 to 1 either. He, he works out on many of the correlated courses that we've talked about. And, you know, I, I just don't think there's many reasons you can say Ricky is not a good shot to, to perform well this weekend. All right, and finally, last uh, shot, uh, last golfer. We'll talk about Patrick Reed, eighty to one, top, uh, top four of the Masters, five of nine U.S. Open top twenties. Uh, his best finish was twenty eighteen Shinnecock Hills, fourth. We've heard some uh, course comps from Shinnecock Hills to uh, Los Angeles Country Club. Not the most popular guy on the uh, tour, but still, Patrick Reed at 80-1, to uh, certainly a capable golfer. Yeah, and I think uh, there might be some spots out there with triple digits, uh, but 80-1 to I still think is a very fair price on a guy that, you know, kind of like I mentioned with Cam Smith, uh, he's still one of the best players in the world. He, he hasn't been that far removed. He's just kind of been removed from, from you know, what we take in on a week-to-week basis, viewing golf or, or what have you. Uh, but he really hasn't strayed that far off the radar. I mean, you look what he did at the Masters. He was good at the PGA Championship. You mentioned Shinnecock Hills. He's had history in the past. I mean, he won at Torrey Pines, another U.S. Open venue. Uh, and, and he's won at Augusta. And, and we know about Patrick Reed. It's, it's kind of similar to Cam Smith, Jimmy. Tremendous short game, creativity, you know, one of the best short games in the entire world. And, and that's what led him to a victory at the Masters. He can get absolutely fiery hot with the putter. He's won tournaments simply with the putter before. Um, so I think Patrick Reed, again, is another guy that's probably a, a little bit underpriced given, you know, the fact that he is in the mo- in the minds of most casual golf betters. He's been out of sight, out of mind. And I mean, when was the last time you got 80 to one on Patrick Reed in a major championship? Um, again, we're doing a lot of guesswork on who's going to work at this particular golf course, but I've kind of come to the conclusion that it's going to take creativity. We've talked about, I mean, he's won at Kapalua as well. So, you know, all the guys I think kind of fit into a similar basket for me, Patrick Reed, Cameron Smith, Jordan Spieth, Justin Rose, you know, they've got creativity, they've got history, they've done well on all the courses I've used. And, and you go out there and you find some good numbers, and then you sit back and cross your fingers. There you go. Uh, Brady, uh, Brady Cannon, again, host of Heat Strokes Podcast uh, on Twitter, at Las Vegas Golfer, in which you started with, Brady, talking about the, um, you know, the, the, the scene at the Canadian Open uh, with the 72-putt uh, drops. It, was it nice to have a little attention back on golf, you know, oh, yeah. on the game itself? Absolutely right. It's been quite a week for golf, right? It started with golf news uh, that was uh, dropping earlier in the week, and that certainly brought the world's attention to the world of golf. But uh, yeah, what, what a way to cap off a wild week. And, you know, I'll full disclosure here, Jimmy, I was actually kind of rooting for Tommy Fleetwood. I didn't have a ticket on him, but he's one of my favorite players. I think he's a great guy. And he is yet to win on the PGA Tour. He's won all over the world, but he has not won on the PGA Tour. And I was kind of rooting for him a little bit. But boy, the way it ended, how can you not be thrilled for Nick Taylor and, and, the, and the entire country of Canada? That was really awesome. I, a, a great way to finish off a Sunday um, that I certainly enjoyed wholeheartedly. Well, we had some emotion in golf on the news side. It was good to see some emotion involved on the golf side itself. Never knew. 
Who knew <laughs> as far as how big that tournament was for a Canadian to win it? But I understand the drought. But, man, that was a wild scene after he dropped that putt. Crazy, crazy stuff. Great stuff, Brady. No pressure. He gave us uh, Brooks Kepka in the PGA. Let's try and get it done again. So, again, uh, Heat Strokes Podcast at Las Vegas Golfer. He's Brady Cannon. I'm Jimmy Otter on the Sports Bitters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.